Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that we do for love. Welcome to episode 10. That's a great number. It is a great number. It feels like a milestone. It is. Yes. We did it. We did 10 whole episodes. <laughs> well, we're about to do our 10th episode, yeah. but... We'll see. Maybe I'm, we shouldn't be so excited. Well, yeah. Maybe I we hope. peaked at nine. And I'm really excited about how much... Um, we've, how far we've come in 10 episodes and how many listeners we have and everybody's involvement has been amazing. Almost too amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. No, I just, we, um, I love when people, um, email us and call us out on stuff. We're here for that. We're here for it when you call us out on stuff. We're here. Which brings me to, um, your friend, what's her name? Kayla. Kayla. Yeah. Yeah. She um, emailed us to um, to point out that, remember when we gave Denise Rossi back in episode, I can't remember what episode it was. It was a few episodes ago, the lottery winner. Do you remember? Yes. With yeah. her husband that they shared the toothbrush. Yeah. And we were like, oh, gross. She's right. <laughs> Why are they sharing a toothbrush? Like it's a, a an electric toothbrush, but your friend kindly pointed out to us that that's not gross that there's different brush heads and you share the same bottom of the toothbrush, but you change out. Yeah, but I don't think that's what those people were doing. Yeah? Yeah, they didn't say we're sharing a, a electric toothbrush bottom. Yeah, that's true. He they just said, said we're, we're sharing, sharing a toothbrush. He said we're sharing. Like, he was so proud of it. And like, she that's was a romantic like, thing. Yeah. And I think what Kayla was saying was it could be a cost-cutting measure. Like, he wasn't like, oh, look, we're so frugal. We're sharing a yeah. toothbrush. He was like, it's romantic. We're so in love. We share the same toothbrush, yeah. which so is I not... appreciate Kayla's point. She is a wonderful person and friend, but <laughs> I don't think that's what was happening there. <laughs> I don't think that the measurement of love <laughs> is sharing a toothbrush together. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yeah. Like, we're so close that, you it's know... It's like, I'm sharing a french fry. Like, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> we sit on the same side of the booth, which I'm also not for. <laughs> Are you the same side of the booth sitter? No. Okay, me neither. No, we have tried it. You know, we're like, oh, oh we're going to like be like making a list or something together, and it feels so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, oh, we got to change. I, this is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. But we'll sometimes sit on the same side of the booth now that we have kids if, like, you know, the comfy side is on one side and then the kids can sit on the not comfy <laughs> side. <laughs> You're like, here you go. You sit on these metal spikes. Yeah, you? yeah. You sit on these weird metal chairs that nobody likes but are in every restaurant. Right, that have no back. They're just yeah. stools. You're like, why? Why? I'm old. Sit on the cushion bench. <laughs> Um, also, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. I, this is like a little behind the pod, a little sneak peek behind the pod. But we have been, we had been like recording, pre-recording because I went on two vacations. Yeah, she's and so a we baller. actually haven't recorded in like three or four weeks. I know, and I missed you. I missed you too. You've been out in the sun having fun, and I've been <laughs> over here working, just slaving away. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> No, I'm glad that you uh, are back, and I'm glad that you had an amazing, both 
vacations were amazing. Yeah, yeah, I did. But I will talk more about that and to be, things I love. But To be fair, Sally was in communication the whole time and was working the whole time she was on vacation. I kept telling her not to. But I know, but I can't. Work I'm obsessed with the pod. Yes. <laughs> um, um, so, so let's get to it. Quickies? Yeah, let's I have a do. quickie. So, okay, so here's my quickie today. I... While I was on vacation, I watched um, some really classic America's Funniest Home Videos. <gasps> I was watching that last night. It's so great. I mean, like nothing makes Timeless. me... Timeless. Yes. Nothing makes me laugh harder. Like, I think the bet My favorite ones are the wedding ones where like, like a bride like crashes into, you know, like the altar or like Fangs, a mother-in-law. Yes. A mother-in-law falls into the cake or... Oh man, I just love it. I love the dancing ones. It's so great. Like it's just, I think it's because it's such like emotionally high stakes day that sometimes you need that relief. Like I just, I love it. And yeah. I love, I love, for some reason I love mother-in-law stories. Like I love those, which is so funny because like my mother-in-law is like the loveliest person ever. Like I was just on vacation with her and I have nothing bad to say. Like she's like, she's sweet. She's like great with my kids. She's like has boundaries. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like she's an interesting person. Mine's um, great too, for the record, Linda. Yeah. If you're listening, you're great. <laughs> but like, so I'm like, I think I just, you know, sometimes I want, I love the mother-in-law horror stories because I don't have any really. Right, right. Um, like I have this friend who her mother-in-law wore a tiara to her wedding. <gasps> like that is Oh my god. Yeah. So I like to go to Reddit too and just like look at the crazy wed- wedding stories. Like here are a couple of my favorite ones. So Okay. Okay, so this one woman, her mother-in-law answered her phone while she was walking down the aisle at her wedding and then she like fumbled through her purse the mother-in-law and then answered the phone. Oh my god. During the wedding, which is so great. And then there's another woman who um, left her mother-in-law alone with her wedding dress to like she was like going to the guest get the guest room ready for her mother-in-law and she walks back in to say something to her and she finds her mother-in-law trying on her wedding <gasps> dress and it's stuck. Oh my God! Yeah. So she said she um, she says at this point my number one concern was her tearing the sheer backing of the dress. So I rushed compl- and to like help her get it off, and she like completely scratched the whole back of the sheer the sheer back of the wedding dress and burst the zipper. And so she was like, as soon as she got out of the dress, she was like, "What the hell were you thinking?" And she said, the mother in law said, "Oh, I was just trying to make sure the dress would fit me because if it fit me, then it would fit you, and if it didn't fit me, then you obviously have some work to do." What a bitch! <laughs> I know. She said, "Never mind. I just had my final fitting. Oh and it my, fit like a glove." God, that's like. Wasn't there a movie with Jennifer Lopez called Monster in Law? Yes. Yeah, that that's like a Monster in Law. Okay, so I shit. I felt like I was like I hit the jackpot when I read this story about this woman Amy Penza, who's a romance writer from Ohio, and her mother-in-law wore a freaking wedding dress to her wedding. What the hell? Who <laughs> let her out? Like who didn't stop her right? from leaving the house? I know. Or like, let her in the church. It's like, like does she no, not have a friend? Not. Oh my god. So, but here's crazy. the thing that makes a story one that I actually love is that the bride was so gracious about it because of who her mother-in-law is. So her mother-in-law grew up in extreme poverty, and as a child, like this is an example, she used to like sneak in the kitchen and eat match heads because she was so mal- malnourished, oh, and, god. and that's like pica. Like when pica, kids are that, yeah. is that pica? 
pica. I don't know. You know, but I mean, they, it's a thing that pregnant women have too. Oh, yeah, where, you, when like, you crave, crave like um, chalk. Yes, or and rocks. so it's like kids yeah. who are malnourished. Apparently, that that oh. is something that happens to them. So anyway, so Amy says like her mother-in-law's upbringing stayed with her. She was like, it didn't make her cruel or selfish. It just made her like an extreme bargain hunter. Um, and like the whole family, it's like a big joke among the family that all of her money saving tactics like so she says for example she takes olive and celery out of bloody mary's and saves them for salads and she said when her daughter drinks ice water her mother-in-law makes her put the empty glass on the counter and is like leave the ice so it'll make more water i do that with my iced coffees because like anything from starbucks is like 17 dollars so you need to get your (laughs) you're like this is worth it yeah she's going to have like a second watery coffee yeah <laughs> oh yeah i put i always put it in the fridge i'm just like yeah um she said when sally jesse raphael was popular she, the mother-in-law didn't have money to like have the red glasses so she just painted hers with nail polish Aww. and she still has them oh um and so she said like when she spotted the red wedding dress at an incredible bargain she couldn't turn it down and she says like amy says if you ask her about it now she feels awful but it was like she Aww. couldn't help herself Um, And Amy describes her mother-in-law as frugal but extremely generous. And she said, when I got my first job, she hemmed all my work pants because I couldn't sew for shit and because she was proud of me. She never misses a band concert, sports event, talent show, science fair, you name it. She'd walk over coals for her grandchildren. She gives them everything because, you know, she grew up with nothing. And she says when her twins were newborns, her mother-in-law drove across town every night slept on the sofa and did three feedings for two babies every night for months oh my god so it gives me chills so she says so yeah the wedding dress was a shock but it gave me a pretty funny memory and no one who has ever attended has ever forgotten it and you have to admit weddings can be pretty forgettable I love that story. It also makes me feel like a piece of shit. Because in the <laughs> beginning, I was like, nail her to the wall. Well, no. But, so this was, she actually st- started as a tweet to, I guess, Jimmy uh, Fallon was asking at, like, what were your biggest wedding disasters? And she was like, my mother-in-law wore, wore a wedding dress to my, and I, there's a picture of it and it's, so great. Um, we'll and post. Like, top that. Yeah, we'll yeah. post it. But also, if you want to look up, so Amy Penz is a, um, she is a romance writer, and you can look her up. She's on Twitter, and she's written a bunch of books, and so you can look her up at Amy Penza, P-E-N-N-Z-A.com. So I love That's it. And then so she, cool. like, everybody was kind of, like, jump. of course, like, yeah. like, saying that about the mother, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And then as she told the story, it was like, oh, it's so sweet. And it's also just a reminder of like, sometimes, you know, when we're quick to like, I just was when we're quick to be like, oh, how horrible that must like, you know, there's always so much more yes to the story. And usually people's intentions are good. Right. And you need to like, it, it's just a reminder to like, take a, set, a step back and learn more about the situation and then you'll realize that like you know the t- intentions were yeah not what you thought they were right yeah and i think it's people it's, aren't inherently bad no it's um, kind of fun to like be like oh she's evil <laughs> you yeah know? but but it's like man, most people aren't most people are just either like clueless or selfish or you know or just like just have other things going on. So yeah, yeah, good life lesson there. Well, let's see if we can apply that to uh, my quickie. It's okay. gonna be a little hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So 
Dating apps. I was. I totally missed the boat on dating apps. They were not a thing um, when I was single because I've like been with my husband since I was twenty three. Yeah, and same. that wasn't really a. Thing. <laughs> well, there was like online dating, but not like dating apps. Oh yeah, no yeah. dating apps. I, I mean, maybe there was like Match dot com, but I feel like that was like taboo back then. Yes. Yeah. Like, people met on that. Like I think. Right. Uh, yeah. People met, but they you wouldn't tell anyone. And yeah. now everybody uses them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have well, any dating app stories. We met hiking, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the least appiest thing you it could is. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, in 2018, uh, 31-year-old Jacqueline Aids, A- it's A-D-E-S, so I think AIDS, Ades, yeah. A-D-S. Um, was um, using an app called Luxie, which um, this app is to, um, it's supposed to filter out people based on what their income is. I don't know how they verify that, but I'm pretty sure everybody on there is a millionaire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she found a millionaire, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and this was in uh, Paradise Valley, Arizona. So they went on one date. And when they went on this date, she was just like con- convinced that this is the man of her dreams and they're going to be together forever. I wonder what it was that attracted her to him so I don't strongly. Know. Do you think it was the millions of dollars? It had to have been his personality. <laughs> um, so she, you know, texted him and then texted him and then texted him mm-hmm. and then texted him, texted him one more time, <laughs> then again. In all, she sent 65,000 text <gasps> messages to this man oh. that she went on one date with. Oh, no. Do how you do want... you even, like, how long did that take? Um, I think it was, like, over the course of, like, a very short time wow. to where it was alarming. But um, do you want to hear what some of her um, love text read? Yes, I do. Um, here's one. Don't ever try to leave me. <laughs> I'll kill you. (laughs) Here's another one. I don't want to be a murderer. Um, There was this gem. um, Oh, what I would do with your blood. I want to bathe in it. And I'll wear your body parts. These are just some some, love texts. Some sweet, (laughs) sweet love texts that she sent to this man. Um, And then she she even went to his work and claimed to be his wife. So she started stalking him. And then, um, he's like, well, yeah, you don't just, you're not just like casually sending 65,000 texts without trying some other methods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She tried a couple of things. And then one day he came home from work. He, they never release his identity in any of the articles about this because they're protecting him. Um, but not, they're not protecting Jacqueline Hades or AIDS or however you say. Um, but he came home, um, and opened the door to his bathroom and she was laying in his bathtub waiting for him so um he called the police she was arrested and then um she did go to jail and she's currently in jail for it but she's so confused by this and all of the articles that i read she's like i can't this was just like a joke i said what if i had a sick mind what would my text like she said that she started out by saying um, what if I was like crazy? What if I was crazy? What if would that sound like? It would probably sound like I want to bathe in your blood, and it would probably look like I'm in your bathtub. <laughs> and she's just like, I just don't, I can't believe that this got so out of hand that I'm in jail right now. This makes no sense. Isn't that oh, crazy? Oh. 
I know. So I'm trying to like, now I'm trying to apply the um, story number one, your quickie, and be like, maybe should I give her (laughs) the benefit (laughs) of the doubt? Was she just like 65,000? That's cuckoo. And if you don't realize that he's not texting you back. Right. It's not like he was playing back and being like, haha, what would I do to you? I guess I would cut your legs off. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, wouldn't it be so creepy if you showed up in my bathroom? Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... LOL. I, I have a hard time applying that rule. Uh, well, okay, to we this could one. just say, like, some people she are sounds crazy. like a person with a mental illness. Yeah, so, probably. So she probably needs some medication. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's me- yeah. I mean, that doesn't, like, that doesn't excuse her behavior or, like, the, I mean, can you imagine how terrified that guy was? Like, No. Yeah. So that is, like, you know, it's not, it's not that she gets a pass, but also maybe it explains, you know, you her. don't just send 65,000. I just can't, I'm trying to, like, think of the, how that's such a, so many times. Like, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like? I mean, I was thinking, like, maybe she just put one word on each line. Like, so it's like, no. Hey, she was very wordy in all of her text messages. Wow. I can, you can Google them if you want to read more. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it's a wild story. But yes, <laughs> she probably does need uh, mental help and to be medicated. Also, maybe he should learn how to block a number. There's that, too. Yeah. Not yeah. That, not that that would stop her from being in a, his house, but... Yeah, or going to his work. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, sometimes people say block a number, but I, I would also kind of want to... And yes, oh, yeah, block right, a number, you, but I would also want to, like, keep tabs and know what's like... You're right. That like, does sound a that little that person is texting, blaming. like, come into your house right now, I'd like yeah. to know that. Right. <laughs> that's true. So, that's um, true. Okay. So that's delete, my quickie. Delete what I quickie. said. Okay. I loved it. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. I have a crazy story for you. I love crazy stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, this is the story of Velma Barfield. Have you heard of her? No. Okay, so when Stuart Taylor met Velma Barfield, he felt like he had met his match because Velma had been the caretaker for his elderly aunt, Dolly Edwards, who had died the year earlier. And they were both in their mid-40s, both devout Christians, and they were both widowers. So they just felt like they had a lot in common. They understood each other. Um, So pretty soon after meeting, they moved in together and were engaged. And their families were really happy for each other. They both loved the other. They had both had kids. Velma's kids loved Stuart, and Stuart's kids loved Velma. So one Sunday, while Stuart and Velma were at church, Stuart began experiencing stomach pains. And he tried to tough it out, but eventually he left the church to go lie down in his truck. And Velma was really worried, so she followed him out, and she found him just in his truck, like, writhing in pain. Um, And she, you know, she stroked his hair, she told him he'd be okay, and she drove him home. She called his kids and um, their neighbor, like, his good friend, to let them know that he was sick. Um, But he spent all night throwing up, and then Velma took him to the hospital in the morning, and the doctor told him he thought it was gastritis and gave him some medicine and sent him home the next morning saying, I think you should feel better in a couple hours. But after he got home, like by the next morning, Stuart was dead. Uh-oh. So, yeah. So Velma was, I mean, she was grief stricken. She, their families came together, um, came out to support Velma. Her children were, and his children were by her side as she cried uncontrollably throughout the church service, the funeral. Um, And not only had Velma lost 
two husbands now, but also her parents had both died a few years earlier. Can I ask, has had he been eating any of Tammy Duvall's famous uh, dirt pudding? <laughs> her famous dirt pudding? Yes. <laughs> um, no. Oh. <laughs> but, um, and her son, so Velma's son, Ronnie, who was like the light of her life, like they were very close. And he said, you know, it's just the saddest thing because it seems like everybody my mother ever gets close to dies. How could the good Lord allow this to happen to a faithful Christian woman like Velma Barfield? Huh. Yeah. So on the day of the service, police in Cumberland County, North Carolina, where Velma and Stuart lived, received a phone call. So the woman on the phone was crying and she told the police that Stuart Taylor's death was not due to illness, but poison. In fact, the caller said that Velma was a murderer and that this wasn't her first murder. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so let me go back and tell you a little bit about Velma Barfield and okay. her, her history. Murderous escapade. <laughs> I mean, alleged. Uh, okay. So Velma Barfield. I mean, we don't know her whole story. There could be. <laughs> she could have been malnourished as a child. That's right. We don't know. <laughs> So she was born in 1932 on a small tobacco farm in rural South Carolina as one of nine children. Her family were um, Pentecostal Christians, and she was raised in a strictly religious household. Her family was really poor, and she started stealing from her father and a neighbor to buy things for school, like school supplies. And then one time her father found her stealing and beat her, and these... (gasps) And like beat, and this was like a regular occurrence. Like he beat oh. her often, and it was later revealed that he was probably also sexually abusing her as a child. Oh. And she had every reason to want to escape her life. And so when she was seventeen, she wed her high school sweetheart Thomas Burke. And for fifteen years, they had a happy life. They had two children, and Velma was, by all accounts, like a devoted wife and mother. She was like, you know, the first one to volunteer for anything at the kids' school. She worked. She was, you know, they were happy. And then in 1964, Velma had a hysterectomy, and she began taking um, Librium and Valium to help with the pain, and pretty soon she was addicted to the painkillers. And then in 1965, Thomas was involved in, her husband was involved in a serious car accident, and he began drinking heavily to to deal deal with the pain from the car accident, because he was having like really crazy headaches. And as a drug addict and an alcoholic will do, they started having really crazy arguments. Um, And in 1967, Thomas was arrested for drunk driving and he lost his driver's license and his job because he was a truck driver for Pepsi. And so it just increased his drinking. Um, So at the same time, Velma was taking more pills than she was prescribed. She was like pill shopping. Right. Um, And so she, her kids who are now teenagers were like really worried about her. Thomas was worried about her, even though he had his own problems, but they kind of went on one day. So in 1969, Thomas was drinking heavily and he passed out in the family home and the kids were at school and Velma was at the laundromat. But while they were gone, the home caught on fire and Thomas died of smoke inhalation. And to the world, it looked like a tragic accident and actually nobody was ever charged with this crime. So right after Thomas's death, the son Ronnie... Ronnie, Ronnie, <laughs> graduated from high school, and he was, but he was like this high achieving kid. He was a salutatorian, and during his speech, he paid tribute to his mother and said, like, she was the reason for all of his achievements and for anything that was good in his life. And this was right after his father had died, and everybody was, they were really very sad, obviously. But pretty soon after Thomas's death, 
Velma started dating a widower named Jennings Barfield. And he was also a widower. Or no, she was a widower. He was also a widower. Um, and he had lost his wife around the same time that Thomas had died. And they got married in August of 1970, but they pretty soon started having problems and mostly because of Velma's prescription pill addiction. And she actually overdosed twice during their short marriage and they separated because of it. But they had reconciled and were like, they reconciled, but they were like still considering divorce in 1971, March of 1971. So it's like just a year after they got married, not even. Um, and then, and Jennings died of heart failure, leaving Velma widower once again. Jennings had suffered from diabetes, emphysema, and heart disease in the recent years. And everyone thought this was just like another bout of bad luck for Velma. Mm -hmm. So now she has lost two husbands within like two years. Wow. Um, and she, of course, like doubled down on pill usage. Um, she was demoted at her job. She worked at Belk's. Um, she worked at the front, like front of the store, and she was demoted to the back room because she was like her violent mood swings. Um, and then her son Ronnie was drafted into Vietnam, which just like worsened her depression. And then the family house caught on fire again, the house where Thomas died. Um, and this time it burned to the ground and Velma collected the insurance. So after the fire, Velma moved back in with her parents, um, with her teenage daughter, Kim, to help care for her father, who had been diagnosed with lung cancer. And the father died shortly after she moved in in 1971. So then in 1972, oh my sorry, this gosh. is like goes on and on. I don't know if you need like a timeline or like, <laughs> yeah. do you want, maybe I'll, I'll mark up a timeline and we'll yeah, post that, that too. Good. I mean, it's just people dying yeah, <laughs> like every lot, year. Left and right. Just a lot of poor Velma, you oh. know? So in 1972, she was arrested for forging a prescription um, and she got off with a sp suspended sentence and she and her mother, who she's living with and taking care of, um, started fighting over Velma's addiction. And Velma, on her part, felt like her mother just wanted her to wait on her hand and foot. And in 1974, so this was three years after her father died, Velma's mother, Lillian, began complaining of stomach pains. Oh my gosh. And so she was admitted to the hospital. She seemed to get better. And then so she was sent home. And then in August, randomly, a man that Velma was dating died in a traffic accident. So Velma wasn't, she wasn't there. So like the, there's no way she had anything to do with the traffic. They accident. don't think so. It seemed like a genuine accident, Okay, but he had made her the beneficiary of his life insurance policy. What? And so she received a check for $5,000 that she was dating. Yeah. Just, a guy she was dating. Right. Right. I, so I that like one, it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then around Christmas of 1974, so this was earlier in the year that her mother had gotten stomach pains, gone to the hospital, come home, and been fine. Um, and then around Christmas, her Velma's extended family was all at, you know, she had these nine brothers and sisters. They're all at Lillian, the mother's home, um, for, you know, Christmas celebration. And then at one point, Lillian pulled one of the sons over and was like, I have something, there's something going on. Um, I got a letter from a from an insurance company tell me, telling me that, or not a finance company telling me that my car loan was overdue and that it was going to be repossessed if I didn't pay it. She's like, but I never took a loan out on the car. She's like, I own it free and clear. And then the son was just like, you know what? It's probably just a, a mix up. Or, yeah. Oh. Like, let's not, you know, it's just a paperwork mix up. I'll look into it, but it's, it's not a big deal. 
But then a few days after pulling her son aside, she started getting stomach pains again, and she was rushed to the hospital. And only two hours after getting the hospital, she was pronounced dead. Wait, who? The mother, Lillian. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so the doctors couldn't pinpoint a cause of death, but they also didn't perform an autopsy. So, okay, so that's 1974. 1975, Velma was arrested for forging bad checks, and she was convicted to six months in prison. Um, And then once she was released, she went to work as a living caregiver for the elderly. So in 1976, she was working and living with Montgomery and Dolly Edwards, who you'll remember Dolly was related to the boyfriend, Stuart Taylor, who was died in the beginning of our story. Oh my God. I know there's a lot of names. I was like, oh, this is like, we need one of those Lord of the Rings, like, (laughs) (laughs) Game of Thrones type. Yeah, do you think you could, like, animate this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just give us a map of all these people. Um, So Montgomery, who was, was 94 and bedridden, and he died in January of 1977. And then in February of 1977, 84-year-old Dolly fell sick, and she told her stepson that she had the flu. And when he came to visit, he was, like, horrified by how weak she was. And he called, he asked Velma, who was her caregiver, to call in an ambulance. And um, Dolly was treated in the emergency room. She was sent home. And then the next day, she was back in the hospital, and she died. But, you know, I mean, people were kind of like, she's 84. It happens? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so then Velma gets another job with 80-year-old farmer John Henry Lee and his 76-year-old wife, Record, which I've never heard of that name, but Record was the one who needed special assistance. That's why she moved in. She had recently broken her leg, and she was hobbling around on crutches, and she like couldn't really manage to get around, so that's why Velma was there. Um, so there was some, like, I think there was like a little bit of tension between Velma and Record, because Dude, that, not to cut you off, like now that you've put the name record into the universe and yeah. brought it to modern day, that's going to mark my words next that's year gonna be on a the big... top 2020 baby Do you think names. that I have that power? I do. I do think you have the power. That's like <laughs> the hipsterest, hipsteriest oh, right. name you could think of. Record. Record. Here we go. All right. You just unleashed the beast. <laughs> I'm really proud of that. Do you think I can make any money off of this? Maybe. <laughs> so I'm just like, how can I make... Hashtag record. Hashtag record. Hashtag baby record. <laughs> um, if you name your baby record, send me... One um, check. One check. Or no, to, you know, like $100. What is a name worth? There are people that will pay... They're a professional baby namers. Oh, I know there are. I, like, I've written... Uh, Why are we not professional baby namers? I would told, I've named a baby. There you go. <laughs> and now I have came up with a new old Send name. your money to Sally and she'll name your yeah. baby. At the Sally Brooks on Venmo. Record Just, Jones. <laughs> Record Steinfield. Yeah, it sounds good with anything. I like it. It does. Yeah. Um, okay, so Record, there was some... They, they had a little bit of, of frisson, but... Overall, the three seemed to get along okay. And then Record found out that someone had forged a couple checks in her name. And John Henry, who also, if you want a boy's name, there you go, um, called the police. But they couldn't figure out who could have written the check. So they, I mean, I think we can all figure out. Yeah. But, um, but then in, so in 1977, April 1977, so this is just a couple months later, after they started looking into the check 
issue, John Henry, who was a like healthy farmer, got sick. And he had, you guessed it, a stomach virus. Oh, my God. Um, and his daughter said they were grateful that Velma was there to care for him, saying she was so sweet, so caring. And then in June, after a horrible two months, he died. Okay, so that is some backstory. <laughs> so okay. Some backstory. Yeah, that is <laughs> all of the backstory. Okay, so when the police received the phone call in 1978 after Stuart Taylor's death, a call that it was later revealed was from Velma's own sister. They actually, yes. Yeah. So they actually didn't give it much credit. But then Stuart's autopsy came back. And actually, it was weird because, I mean, not weird, but Velma was the one who told Stuart's children, like, you should get an autopsy if you feel like this is weird. Yeah. So she was the one who kind of pushed for it. But then the autopsy came back and it showed that he had arsenic in his system. And I think the reason she had, like pushed for the autopsy is because other victims had had autopsies and nothing had shown up because they weren't testing. It for was it. kind of those like when Real Housewives are like, "I have the text messages," but then they don't. And then yeah, and yeah. then you're like, you just assume that they're never going to ask. Like, all right, show me. Right. Yeah, I have receipts. I got receipts. Yeah. yeah. So she. Yeah. So. Apparently before the church service, it wasn't um, mud pie. What is that called? Dirt pudding. Uh, yeah, dirt pudding. But he had... Famous dirt pudding. Stuart had confronted Velma about some forged checks. And as a peace offering, she had handed him a beer. And it was oh. laced with arsenic. Jeez Louise. So police decided they start... Obviously, they're like started looking into the death certificates of all the people who had died around Velma. Um, from her husband's to her mother to the elderly people she had cared for, to her boyfriend, Stuart. And they were like, it's obviously no coincidence. All of these people died of gastrinitis. And the police began to believe that they were dealing with a serial killer. So they brought in Velma to question her about one of her bad checks because they, they were like, okay, this is how we can get her in. And then they turned the conversation to Stuart and Velma, who was like, I mean, she's like the picture of like a sweet just like cherubic grandma. Um, she like appeared stunned to find out that he died from arsenic. And she like vehemently de denied any involvement saying, she was like, I'm the one who nursed him through the illness. Like I'm the one who told his kids to get the autopsy. Why would I, you know, I loved him. Why would I do this? So, and then on Saturday, um, her, her son Ronnie called his mother and she was so upset about the questioning um, that it upset him. He was like, why would they? do this to my mother Why yeah. you know, she has lost her husband or her boyfriend. Um, and he went to the police department to like demand answers. And he like, Ronnie was like a genuinely good person. Like he had a three-year-old kid. He was like a successful, sweet man. And he truly believed in his mother's innocence. And so the police confirmed like, yes, she's a suspect, but that's all they would tell him. So Ronnie went to see his mother telling her what the police had said. And she started sobbing, saying like, I could never do anything like that. And then suddenly she stops crying and says, I only meant to make him sick. <gasps> so Ronnie was like stunned. And he, but he was like, you know what? If this was an accident, then we need to go to the police. And, I, and so he was like, we're gonna do the right thing, mom. If you need to confess and this will all be cleared up. So he took her to the police department, but he couldn't stay because she was being questioned. So. Um, he left her to speak with investigators and then he called his sister and his aunts for support. Like, so they all gathered around and soon the phone rang and it wasn't, they were waiting for Velma, but it wasn't Velma. It was an investigator named Al Parnell 
who told them that Velma had not only confessed to the murder of Stuart, but also to the elderly people she had cared for and her own mother. And so, but she did not, she actually denied killing either of her first two husbands. Well, I could see not the car accident guy. You know, it is weird that she had, that he like signed over, made her the beneficiary. But also her first two husbands died. The Jennings... Yeah. Died of, of... Oh, so she's saying no No, I didn't have anything to do with those. Um, but they... And then... But they did... Hold on, let me I'm see. I'm not buying it, Velma. <laughs> I know. So so she she was, you know, arrested, put on trial. She took the stand and she, she played the part of, like, a God-fearing grandma. She was just this, like, sweet old lady. And she was like, I'm not even convinced that the poison was the reason that these people died. Like, it could have been something else. Oh like, I was just trying to make, make them sick, and I don't think the poison was what killed them. And and then after the prosecutor's closing statement, she gave this, like, little sarcastic laugh, clap, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, she sarcastic slow clap <laughs> yes. in court after the prosecutor's... <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yes. And then oh they were god, like... Oh my god, I love sarcastic slip laughing. <laughs> right, like, okay, good job. Oh my god. Um, and they think, like, observers were like, oh yeah, that, like, undid, uh, there you go. undid okay. the sweet grandma image. Yeah. Oh, holy crap, that's amazing. So she was sent... She was convicted... I'm sorry, this is such a long story. She was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death row, and she continued to deny the murders of her hu- husbands, although... When her second husband's Jennings body was exhumed, they it was found to have arsenic. Arsenic. Yeah. So in prison, she was born again. And, sure she was. Yeah. And she actually gained the support of like a ton of people who believed that the killings were the result of her drug addiction and Satan. <laughs> and um and actually and Billy Graham and his wife Ruth kept in touch with Velma by mail. She wrote letters for illiterate inmates and eventually wrote her own memoir called Woman on Death Row with a Minister. And as she neared her execution date, her son Ronnie decided to ask about the death of his father. Like, he was like, this is my last chance. And so he asked, like, did you kill him? And Velma said, I'm sure I probably did. (laughs) I don't remember. Yeah, she (laughs) said her memory was fuzzy, but she believed that he had been drunk and asleep and she either, she was like, I either lay a cigarette or a match at the foot of the bed and then shut the door. Oh, my maybe, God. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe it was an accident. Who knows? I can't. Oh. And then to the, the minister who helped her write her memoir, she admitted that she killed her second husband. So obviously she killed everyone. Um, so she was actually executed on November 4th, or sorry, November 2nd, um, 1984. And she was the first woman executed in the U.S., um, after the death penalty had been reinstated, which I, happened at some point that I didn't know. That's something I didn't wow. know. Wow. Okay, so that Velma. Velma. So, I, yeah, that's that's the story of Velma Barfield. That's crazy. Serial killer, Black okay. Widow. Is there a movie about it? I feel like that's like... Oh, I'm sure there is. I didn't movie. find a movie, but... Starring Estelle Getty. Oh, yeah, that's who it would be. I mean, yeah. it would be some, like a sweet little old lady. Yeah. Just like... Yeah. And then a telling sarcastic club. <laughs> right? Like end. she drops the act and sarcastically. <laughs> I mean, if that's the credits roll, it's just her sarcastically <laughs> slow clapping. Yeah. If that's what makes a murderer, then God, I'm I'm gonna be convicted of lots of oh, murders. No. <laughs> I'm, oh, lots Man, of sarcasm. That's a good one. I like it. Hey Sally. Yes, Chen. 
You know how we're both uh, terrible at Twitter? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. so bad. <laughs> and if you guys have ever checked out our Twitter account, um, yep. <laughs> I feel I like we should just abandon we're it. We're trying. Like, I just don't get it. I'm trying to understand Twitter. Maybe you guys can help me. I used Retweet to be... us, and then maybe we'll feel better. <laughs> I used to be much better at Twitter, but I just... I just couldn't. I've just I haven't tweeted anything, and it like started where it was just like angry retweets of yeah, like yeah. political things, and then I it just was too much, and so I just quit. Yeah, I'm not. I've never been able to master it, um, but maybe we should have though, because it looks like Twitter worked out for this one couple. Um, so Victoria O'Brien um, was following the Twitter feed of an the Oxford Street branch of Waterstones bookshop. So this is in England. Okay. Um and um she basically this bookshop had um hired this younger guy who worked there part time to just kind of man their Twitter feed. Okay. And yeah. and tweet certain things, you know, and he ended up being really funny and she she really enjoyed his tweets and would actually like look for them every day. Yeah. Um, so a sample of his tweets was, um, he wrote book fact cheetahs can type faster than any other land animal, but sadly their works are often poorly plotted and or emotionally naive. Which okay. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. That's the, I mean, when you're just like reading, you know, a, it's like, you know, for a business or something, oh, yeah. if they're, if they're clever, they're worth reading you know oh, yeah so yeah. she um she loved his twitter and then she retweeted it and wrote something um like she said i'm in love with whoever's manning the waterstones Ox- oxford street twitter be still my actual beating heart uh book nerds are not and then he wrote back book nerds nerds are not that dreamy and then she wrote back, <laughs> book nerds are better than dream boats. Um, so they would like write back and forth yeah. or whatever, but she would just write to the Waterstones account. Right, so she had no idea that this is like a cute guy. She's just like, oh, it's just a funny account. I, I really appreciate their humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, and so it just became a running joke with like her and her friends that she was in love with the, the book tweet guy. What a good... I mean, so I used to do the... Um, Facebook post for Airheads and Mentos. Oh, yeah. And, like, we used to joke, like, because the people who respond to those are not... It's either children. It's funny, because so many people would, like, comment and share with their friends. Like, we would get, like, thousands of likes, you know, and comments. But there was one lady who every post on Mentos would be like, what about a bubblegum flavor? (laughs) Every time. Every time. She would like post. It was just like it was her obsession, and I was like, "Well, we could have had somebody who was like in love with me, or, yeah. or but instead, this lady who just—I mean—and and what was kind of crazy is that there is a bubblegum flavor, but it's only available in the UK, right? So this was like the US account, and so we actually like got a box of those and sent it to her, and we're like, "Look, oh, that's so your nice. bubblegum flavor." Oh, and she was like. Not what? even excited. Oh my god! After like a year of every single day posting, where's my bubblegum flavor? Wow, that was that's really um, that actually. I'm gonna talk more about that later. Just like when you do something that you think is gonna get a reaction, then you don't get it at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that's crazy. I hate that. I'm gonna talk about that and the things that I things that are dumb. But um, that 
makes me so angry that you guys made a whole flavor for her and she didn't even care. She didn't even care. Did I you think just was throw just... the whole box in the garbage? Like, never mind. <laughs> we, I think we sent it to her. I, but she just, it was just, she's a grown woman who that... was tweeting at a brand. But so this woman, I mean, I like that it was, I mean, I tried to be humor for her. I wrote a lot of um, puns about candy. I'm going to go back and read all of your Mentos puns. Thank you. And then I'll I'll retweet them if I can figure out Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, she, you know, she used to joke with her friends basically about like how they all knew that she was in love with the books, the the whatever guy. And then she, um, I'm trying to find where she's. But at one point, she even like said something to her friends like, "Oh yeah, we we had drinks the other night or whatever," like joking. Yeah. And um, so and then he was like, "Wait, what?" I didn't have drinks. So, like, he was confused by that, um, even though she was just, like, messing around yeah, with her like, friends. Yeah, like, this is just, like, a running joke. Yeah. Yeah, so he, like, um, met, and then, so then he messaged her from his real account directly and was just, like, um, I'm confused. Like, you said that you met me, but I actually haven't met you. And you said that we had, oh, they, she implied that they had a gin together. They went and met for gin. And, um, and he was like, I'm confused because we actually never hung out. And then she was embarrassed. But then they they were talking. And they would talk here and there on Twitter. But then one day on his personal account, Jonathan mentioned that he had um, a hankering for donuts, as it says. Like he wanted some donuts. Uh-huh. And then so she was like, well, I'm in, I'm nearby and I have free time. So she goes and gets these donuts. And she says that like... Um, she, you know, basically it was like her body was just moving her there, but her head was like, what am I doing right Right. now? What am I doing right now? And so she went and bought a bag of donuts and then went up to the bookstore, like walked up the stairs, just slid them in front of him and said, there's your go. There you go. There's your donut. And then just ran, like just (laughs) ran away. And then three days later, he messaged her and, um, asked her, you know, uh, I'm like I'm going out for lunch. Do you want to come meet me? Yeah. And then they met for lunch, and then they never stopped talking. And then they ended up getting married, and they've been married for four uh, for f- well, this is in 2012. So they've been married now for six, seven years. Oh, that's so Isn't great! That sweet. And there's a really cute picture of their wedding day, and she's adorable. She's like this, t- um, like. Five feet, pink hair, and he's super tall. He, they look like something out of a British rom yeah. com, which is and that super is like exciting. such a neat, cute. Yeah, this like, should be like you know the next you've got mail. That is one hundred percent. you've got mail. I love it. So Victoria and Jonathan O'Brien. That's so adorable. That so my husband and I had a little bit of that. It was like the analog version of that where, because we met hiking and I'll tell the whole story sometime yeah. on the podcast, but yeah, she has um, to tell the whole story. Cause but we, great. so we were hiking the Appalachian trail and in each um, shelter that you stay in along the way there, there are like notebooks that you can write in. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't, hadn't met Ben, but I knew of him. Like he had hiked with friends. And so I knew a couple things about him. He was hiking with another friend that we had hiked with earlier. Sorry, it's a little complicated, but so I, without meeting him, started just writing him notes in these registers because he was behind us. So he would like be a couple days behind and then read like notes. And I would be like, Hey, 
I know you're moving to Chicago. I just moved from Chicago. Like, hey, we should be best friends. Hurry up and catch up with us. Like, and so I started I calling that. him in the register. It's calling, started calling him best friend, Ben. <laughs> and I'm like, best friend, Ben, let's do this. Da, da, da. And like, just, jo- I mean, just as like a purely a joke, I had, I had never met him. And then I like shortened it to BFB. And, um, and then when we finally met face to face, first of all, he's this like, he had this like beautiful long curly hair and this big beard. And I was like, Oh, I, I just pictured him as this, like, I don't know, just short chubby, like, yeah, oh, I'm your like, best friend. Yeah. Best yeah. friend. And, um, he's this like beautiful guy. And then, and then, uh, sorry. I'm just, I just got like, <laughs> uh, no. Um, but he was like, though BFB are my initials like that's my actual initials that's crazy so anyway so we have to tell the whole story because it's such a great one and I love it so much I will on the on a when I sit down and think about it (laughs) yeah yeah I love it well I love the love story that was great thanks it was a short one but that's okay um so let's get into things that are dumb and things that we love eh yeah let's do it Okay, so I think my dumb thing for this week is just that, like, the vacation is over. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Welcome uh, back to reality. I know. So. Yeah. It's, uh, I like, I'm actually really happy to be home. So we did, we do this every year where we'll be, like, because we go to the lake every year, and then we usually do, like, a vacation with Ben's family or my family. And so it always is in, in August, and it feels like it happens right in a row where it's almost like you're, like... Oh, we got to go on vacation again, even though yeah. it's so amazing. I mean, how how lucky am I that I get to go on two vacations with friends and family and, you know, spend these beautiful weeks at beautiful places. Um, and both of my vacations were just so wonderful. Our, the lake vacation was, this. that's what I love. It's dumb, the come down from vacation. It's hard. <laughs> it was hard. It's hard for the... For Max, he needs to get back on a schedule, you know, <laughs> just he's, he's all out of sorts. But... Um, yeah, the lake vacation was so great. My favorite part of it was we do this thing called Lake Olympics every year uh-huh. where we just like do, it's Aaron and Grace and I, and we do like these comp- lake competitions. We like did this thing, we do like a, um, just a freestyle race. We throw like a football into a hole. We do, I mean, we just do all these silly things and we've done it every year and we, for some reason, we just like really make it a priority and we always do it. It's so fun. Um, this year I got this, thing this inflatable bowl called an inflatable where it uh-huh. is like goes like a pool float and we had to like did like a bull ride and it was actually very oh, hard bull. To ride. like a bowl. bowl i thought you were saying bowl and i'm like oh to put chips in you yeah. like float <laughs> you, you put chips inflatable? in your bowl and it floats in the bowl <laughs> that sounds cool <laughs> you're like great cool and was that a highlight <laughs> <laughs> no i like i thought that sounded awesome i was like why are there not already inflatable bowls that you put chips in in the pool. <laughs> bull. Okay. Bull. Yeah. yeah. So it was like a bull riding. It was oh, God. very funny trying to get on it and trying to stay on it. It was awesome. But that was one of our, one of the things. So that was so fun. That's and then, awesome. Um, and then I was home for a week and went on vacation with my in-laws. And um, it was just really lovely. We were like right on the beach in North Carolina. It was so beautiful. And I just love like my niece and nephew's are so great with Max. It was like, it was great. It was really great. So that was, that's my thing I love. So what about, what about you? That's awesome. Well, my, okay, my dumb thing, which I kept you fully in the loop on this one. Um, And actually I did face, I Facebooked about it, but um, I was on a walk with my dog 
minding my own. <laughs> this is a dumb thing. Um, so I uh, was, we were walking and then all of a sudden we see like three loose goats on the side. And this is yes. a busy city street. It's yeah. like Ponce de Leon is a busy road. Yes. It's like a major thoroughfare. Yes. Yeah. And so we're walking and it's, it's like house lined. It's lined with these like huge mansions, but, um, they're all like these huge expensive houses and then um, there's a sidewalk and then it's like crazy busy street. But there, well, all of a sudden we see these like goats on the sidewalk and I was like, what the hell? And then they start walking into oncoming traffic. No. And then all of a sudden we turn around and there's like eight more goats <laughs> rushing towards us, rushing, um, coming into oncoming traffic. Well, me, my dog who happens to be a cattle dog, yeah. so his, his nature is to like herd things. We run out into the traffic and stop traffic, waving down these cars. Um, and then we like herd all of these goats back into the gate of this like huge mansion house or whatever. I guess people pay rent these goats to like to eat their their lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. And, um, and so this lady is standing at like inside the gate and I get all the goats back in the gate and they shut the gate. And then I look at her and she just like turns around and starts walking back towards Does the house. Doesn't say anything? Doesn't say anything to what? me. And then I said, do you need me to stand here for a second to make sure <laughs> that the goats don't get out? And she just goes, no, I, could, I need to call the goat the goat guy and see what's going on. Like, and I was uh, like, the goats uh, got loose. What you're you welcome, homie. Like, I just like, <laughs> break, like, risked me and my dog almost died for you and yeah. got your goats in here. And then you're just like, blah. Like, you can't even uh. say anything she, like, she looked like she almost annoyed that I like Rescued caught her, her being a shitty goat handler. You know what I mean? Like, it's not my fault. It's guys. I'm calling right. guys. Like, sorry to ruin your day by saving 10 goats' lives. Well, and you know that. So, you know this because I sent you that message. But later that yeah, day. Yeah, this is what's so funny. On the Nextdoor app, I see a, a notification of a woman who's like, I'm standing like, nearby there she's like i'm in a parking lot and i there's a goat who keeps trying to go out in the street does anybody know who this goat belongs i know to? and i, I was, was like, like this goat is back on the escalator again yes which is the mall rats <laughs> reference so but yeah so i i was like yeah my friend rescued those goats earlier <laughs> <laughs> i know and so then i like walked past it again the next day and i was like oh the goats are gone thank god but then i walked again and they were there they're back they're back the goats are back so, but I was just pissed off at the lady's like non-reaction to this I mean, heroic a, thank you feat. Yes, I know. So she doesn't deserve goats. She was just, just like, oh, my husband wanted these goats. I told him it was a bad idea. <sighs> and so, um, my thing that I love, um, I'm gonna um, just so she's that lady sucks, and I. But th- this is somebody that's awesome. Um, my thing that I love is that I there's I'm gonna and I'm gonna tag him in this so he, he's aware of this but there's a, um, a comedian he, I don't think he does comedy anymore but we met um, when we were uh, when he was a comedian his yeah. name's Justin Clements and I run into him from time to time and he's um, and he's married and he's like the sweetest thing and his wife's very sweet um, they actually like used to be tenants of mine okay. and like and so um, very, very, very sweet. But what I love is that every single time I run into him, 
he and I ask him I go like oh how are you how's your wife Mm -hmm. you know and his reaction every single time is he goes she's too good for me she's the best thing that ever happened to me I don't deserve her and she (laughs) and they're both amazing people like Justin's not like he's the sweetest guy and you know and like he deserves you know what I mean it's just like the sweetest response and it, I'm talking like it's been like five years of every single time. I, so I ran into him the other day. He works at a new restaurant. It's called uh, Little Ray, which is like really, it's really good. It's a uh-huh. taco place. Um, so check it out. But he, um, but I ran into him and I said, oh, how's, how's your wife? How's Lauren? And he, his response again was he goes, oh, she's too good for me. I don't deserve her. And it so just, sweet. it makes my heart melt to see, you know, People in love. People in love. And people and who so aren't like sweet. people who and aren't like, complaining about their spouses no. and are just like, she's amazing. I love her so much. You know, it's like, oh, who aren't don't feel like they have to be like that it's it's um a sign of weakness to like yeah. show their love and appreciation yeah. for their partner. Like I really I love that too. I know. I just love it so much. It's so we'll tag yeah. him in this. And then we should also tag his wife so she knows how adored she is. I yeah. think that's so sweet. Yeah. But um so that's my something dumb, stupid goat people, something I love. Justin and <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we love you guys. Um thank you for helping us make it to episode ten. Yes. And um Look out for us on Sundays. We're doing this new thing too. What we're doing um, it's called Super Sharing Sunday, or just Sharing Sunday. <laughs> just sharing Sunday. I added Super because I like Oprah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so um, on Sundays now, we are going to be um, if like we're going to be sharing podcasts we love, and then also we're going to be asking uh, if you guys can um, want to share or retweet about dumb love then that would be amazing and then um and tag us in it and then on tuesday we'll announce a winner and we'll be doing like a dumb love dumb love swag giveaway yeah because the the way that podcasts gain any you know audience is all through word of mouth because yeah you know it's not like um other kinds of media because you know it's an investment in your time and so you want you know i i will like listen to podcasts when people I I know and trust are like, you have to listen to this. Yeah. Um, and so we know it means so much if you guys do that too. Don't feel like you have to, but like if you want to, yeah. <laughs> you know, rate and review, share, um, subscribe. We really, really, really appreciate it. And um, we just are so grateful that you're listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So get out there and have a great week and do something dumb for love. <laughs>